Mormon Discussion Podcast is about helping Latter-day Saints like you lead with faith while tackling deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping the podcast alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber at mormondiscussionpodcast.org. Again, that's mormondiscussionpodcast, all one word, dot org. You can do this for as little as $1.50 a month or $12 a year. And this will also reward you by letting you listen to premium episodes like this one months before the general public has access. Thanks for listening. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful to be with you today. Today, let's just... um Recently, I did an interview where I was the one being interviewed by my good friend, Chris Bloxham. We did a part one and part two where you, the listener, could ask me anything, and and Chris took those questions and a few other ones and, and threw them at me. And one of the things that we talked about in that interview was, like, what do listeners, what are they asking for you to cover? Somehow that came up. And believe it or not, the most requested topic for me to cover is Satan or Lucifer or the adversary. And um, this is a subject that was just never interesting to me. It just didn't, it just didn't interest me. And so recently, all of a sudden I got interested. And yesterday, so today is May 22nd, 2017. Yesterday I put a post up on Facebook with a picture, a really cool picture of, of Satan and a conversation about the logic and theology of that, which we'll get into today. But let's let's first set the table, and it's going to take me a little bit to set the table. But let's set the table. So I've got I've got some quotes that we need to read, because what we need to establish is how Christianity frames Satan and how Mormonism frames Satan specifically, obviously Mormonism, and then for us to allow our our mind to like open ourselves up to the logic, rationale, and reason of that conversation. So we should start with LDS.org. So if you go to LDS.org, I think it's one of the gospel topics. You look up Satan, and there's uh, there's a little blip there. You have to click read more, and when you do that, you get this whole section. Satan, also called the adversary or the devil, is the enemy of all righteousness and of those who seek to follow God. He is a spirit son of God who was once an angel in authority in the presence of God. But in the premortal council in heaven, Lucifer, as Satan was then called, rebelled against God. Since that time, he has sought to destroy the children of God on earth and to make them miserable. One primary issue in the conflict between God and Satan is agency. Agency is a precious gift from God. It is essential to his plan for his children. In Satan's rebellion against God, Satan sought to destroy the agency of man. He said, I will redeem all mankind. That one soul shall not be lost, and surely I will do it. Wherefore, give me thine honor. Satan persuaded a third part of the host of heaven to turn away from the Father. As a result of this rebellion, Satan and his followers were cut off from God's presence and denied the blessing of receiving a physical body. Heavenly Father allows Satan and Satan's followers to tempt us as part of our experience in mortality. Because Satan seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. He 
and his followers try to lead us away from righteousness. He directs his most strenuous opposition at the most important aspects of Heavenly Father's plan of happiness. For example, he seeks to discredit the Savior and the priesthood, to cast doubt on the power of the atonement, to counterfeit revelation, to distract us from the truth, and to contradict individual accountability. He attempts to undermine the family by confusing gender, promoting sexual relations outside of marriage, ridiculing marriage, and discouraging childbearing by married adults who would otherwise raise children in righteousness. Individuals do not have to give in to Satan's temptations. Each person has the power to choose good over evil, and the Lord promised to help all who seek him through sincere prayer and faithfulness. So there is the official doctrine and theology of Satan as laid out by LDS.org in its gospel topic essay. So this is the church's official position on the adversary. Now we should add, there are some things we should hit on, but we don't want to spend a whole ton of time on them. Uh, so I'll just say them kind of briefly. I do want to expound on just the first one. Spirit brother of Jesus, right? We recognize in Mormonism, because we've learned all these things since primary. The adversary or Satan is a spiritual brother of Lucifer. I just want to make note, there's two lines of thought in Mormonism. And we we don't really get into the conversation but they're both just sitting there like this low-hanging fruit to talk about. One is that God is the father of our spirits. He created us. He is our creator, right? At the same time, we also have this idea running through Mormonism that we were intelligences that always existed. So if God is our creator, if God, if God out of essentially nothing creates these two entities, these two uh, let's call them intelligences or spirits. And, and at that point, they have these personalities, right? So there's Lucifer and there's, and there's Jehovah. Then I can understand the rationale that these are spirit brothers. At the same time, if Jesus and Lucifer existed forever as intelligences, and God simply came across them and the rest of us and decided that he was going to begin to help us become like him, and as intelligences, there's something unique to Lucifer and something unique to Jehovah. Then I think the conversation is open to us trying to understand, like, if Jesus and Lucifer are spirit brothers, then we have to have a conversation about what common source they emanate from at the point at which they become unique. We should also note, right, that, that the, advers the adversary rebelled against God uh, a third of the host of heaven followed him out, that they are tempting us in this world. They are the opposition, as we as we just read about, and as we'll see here further as we go along. And we should recognize, too, that, that even as early as the Garden of Eden, Lucifer symbolically or literally or metaphorically or figuratively is described as a snake who comes along and tempts Adam and then tempts Eve and convinces Eve to partake of the fruit. Now, what's important to note here is that he convinces Eve to essentially activate the plan of salvation, to put God's plan into motion. That as long as Eve doesn't partake of the fruit, the plan of salvation is not uh, in the works. It's not active. It's not until she knows good from evil, until you know sin has entered the world, until death has entered the world, that the plan of salvation is now up and running and working and running on, on all cylinders. 
And, and it's important to note that the, that Satan, knowingly or unknowingly, put the plan of salvation into motion. So now I want to go to what some of the church leaders have said around Satan, how we framed him. So Elder James E. Faust in the 1987, I'm not sure if it's the April or October, but general conference, he gives a talk titled The Great Imitator. Here's what Elder Faust says. He says, it is not good practice to become intrigued by Satan and his mysteries. No good can come from getting close to evil. Like playing with fire, it is too easy to get burned. The only safe course is to keep well distanced from him in any of his wicked activities or nefarious practices. The mischief of devil worship, sorcery, casting spells, witchcraft, voodooism, black magic, and all other forms of demonism should be avoided like the plague. Now pay attention here because my, right, as soon as I start to read that, my thought goes to Joseph Smith and his treasure digging. And we like to call it softly folk magic. But the reality is that there are certain things going on. There are incantations and magic spells to thwart off guardian spirits, right? There is even a strong possibility, and I'm, I, I even, you know, accept this data and believe it. And others have verified to me that they also hold that same ground. Uh, including Sam Brown in my very first interview on Holy Dying, but that Joseph would draw these magic circles and would slit the throat of an animal, sometimes a dog, sometimes a sheep, and would sprinkle this blood around and do magic spells. And he's using a seer stone, and he's water witching. And, and so no matter how strongly you see the data, there's no ifs, ands, or buts that at the very least – Joseph is casting spells and involved in what what some might call black magic, but at least some kind of folk magic incantation type of stuff. And so Elder Faust here describes anything that's not normal to his present-day understanding of how God works in the gospel is is declaring that some of these things are the tools of Satan. And I would simply say that we need to be careful as we recognize that the prophet Joseph Smith used and did mechanisms and behaviors that likely would fall into at least some of these categories. Elder Faust continues, he says, However, Brigham Young said that it was important to study evil and its consequences. Keep in mind, right, that what he's saying here is that we need to stay away from learning the mechanisms and behaviors and getting too close to those tools of, of of Satan or the adversary. On the other hand, we need to understand evil and its consequences, right? So we we need to to, you know, stay away from the the 20 yard view, but certainly be aware of the 20,000 foot view. And and I would simply say like that gets messy when when you're saying, "Look, you need to understand evil. It's important to study evil, study its consequences, but also not get too close to it." Like where's the line? Another quote here from Elder Files, since Satan is the author of all evil in the world, it would there, that's important to note. Elder Files says Satan is the author of all evil in the world. He says it would therefore be essential to realize that he is the influence behind the opposition to the work of God. Alma stated the issue succinctly when he said, quote, for I say unto you that whatsoever is good cometh from God and whatsoever is evil 
cometh from the devil. Alma chapter 5. Whatever is good from God, whatever is evil, and he says comes from the devil, and he's using it in the singular. So the implication here is that he's speaking directly of Satan. Elder Faust continues, And others will he pacify, and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say, All is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls, and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And behold, others he flattereth away, and tell them there is no hell. And he saith unto them, I am no devil, and there is none. And thus he whispereth in their ears, until he grasps them with his awful chains, from whence there is no deliverance. And there he's quoting Second Nephi, chapter 28, verses 21 to 22. And it's interesting here to note some th- a couple of things. One is that it is Lucifer, the devil, who is doing all this temptation and lolling away. It's also important to note that in this scripture, it speaks of Zion. It's the people in Zion who are feeling really comfortable regarding where things are at and not realizing that Satan is drawing those people concerned about Zion, leading them away carefully down to hell, right? So it seems like the implication here is they're speaking of the church and members of the church. Elder Faust continues, Free agency given us through the plan of our Father is the great alternative to Satan's plan of force. With this sublime gift, we can grow, improve, progress, and seek perfection. Without agency, none of us could grow and develop by learning from our mistakes and errors and those of others. Satan does, however, perform an important negative function. In the book of Second Nephi, we are told, For it must needs be that there is an opposition in all things. However, Peter warns, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So let us, sorry, let us not become so intense in our zeal to do good by winning arguments or by our pure intention in disputing doctrine, that we go beyond good sense and manners, thereby promoting contention, or say and do imprudent things. Invoke cynicism or ridicule with flippancy. In this manner, our good motives become so misdirected that we lose friends. And even more serious, we come under the influence of the devil. I recently heard in a special place, your criticism may be worse than the conduct you are trying to correct. And you can see there, Elder Faust is speaking directly to like progressive Mormonism, right? And saying like, like, you may do more damage by raising awareness and shedding light on the problems here, and you come under the influence of Satan in doing so, that the potential is there for that to occur. Elder McConkie in Mormon Doctrine, I assume this is the first edition, this name for Satan signifies that he is the enemy of all righteousness, opposes every good thing with evil, and is the arch-foe of every upright person. Endowed with agency, he came out in open rebellion in in pre-existence, and has ever since been the chief antagonist of every righteous cause. For it must needs be that there is an opposition in all things. Be sober, be vigilant, Peter said, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. It's also interesting to note uh, Elder McConkie in terms of playing cards or Ouija boards, uh, a lot of times he quotes his father-in-law Joseph Fielding Smith, or or his great uh, or his grandfather-in-law uh, Joseph F. Smith, 
But things like Ouija boards, he, he sees as being one of the tools of the devil. He says those who use the devil's tools for any purpose may soon find themselves influenced and controlled by him. In the hands of mediums who have actual contact with evil and unseen forces, the use of Ouija boards is a wicked and devilish thing. Wise persons never seek revelation or guidance through communion with Satan. Uh, in the uh, in the Enzyme 1986, I have a question. There's a, a quote there. It says, "It is, and it's an important thing to note. It is ironic. It is ironic that the agency with which Lucifer rebelled is the very gift he tried to take from man. His proposal was that all be forced back into God's presence. But the principles of agency, the principle of agency, is fundamental to the existence." in progression of intelligent beings. As we make wise choices, we grow in light and truth. On the other hand, wrong choices, such as the one Satan made, stop progress and can even deny us blessings that we already have. In order for us to progress, therefore, we must have the opportunity to choose good or evil. Interestingly, Satan and his angels, those who opposed agency, have become that opposition. As the prophet Lehi taught, men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man, and they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil, for he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. I think there's there's a note to make here. In, so in order for us to progress, therefore, we must have the opportunity to choose good or evil. Interestingly, Satan and his angels, those who opposed agency, have become that opposition. The plan requires opposition. It requires us to know good from evil and to be tempted in some ways to do good and tempted in other ways to do evil, and that here... For us, Satan and his angels are that opposition. So the question becomes, is is somebody here trying to make room that there are other ways in which opposition could be provided and that Satan and his angels are just one way? Or or am I am I overreaching and they're simply saying there has to be opposition and Satan and the angels are the opposition? And that's the way it is in all of God's world, right? So now we turn to uh, lds.org backslash scriptures backslash gs backslash lucifer. So I assume this is the like the Bible dictionary maybe um, or some other spot here in the scriptures that we've got. But under lucifer it says, see also antichrist, destroyer, devil, hell, sons of perdition. Then it says the name means the shining one or light bearer. He is also known as the son of the morning. Lucifer was a spirit son of Heavenly Father and led the rebellion in the premortal life. The name Lucifer appears only once in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. Latter day revelation gives us, gives more detail on Lucifer's fall. Lucifer fell in the premortal existence. After his fall, he became Satan and the devil. So that's really short. There's a, another spot here. So if we look up, instead of looking up Lucifer, we look up devil. So under Satan, it says, quote, The devil is the enemy of righteousness and of those who seek to do the will of God. He is literally a spirit son of God. 
and was at one time an angel in authority in the presence of God. However, he rebelled in the premortal life and persuaded a third part of the spirit children of father to rebel with him. They were cast out of heaven, were denied the opportunity of obtaining mortal bodies and experiencing mortal life, and will be eternally damned. Since the time the devil was cast out of heaven, he has sought constantly to deceive all men and women and lead them away from the work of God in order to make all mankind as miserable as he. And then also, if you go into... Uh, the church's website and look up Church of the Devil, there's there's a new kind of framing to this. So the Church of the Devil, here's what it says. Every evil in worldly organization on earth that perverts the pure and perfect gospel and fights against the Lamb of God. Now, notice the framing of this point, right? And And it's interesting. They're not really coming out and saying that every other church is the Church of the Devil. But any organization on the earth that perverts the pure and perfect gospel, right? Let's name all the organizations that pervert the pure and perfect gospel. So now the whore of all the earth, the great and abominable church, the church of the devil, has has left the framing of being the Catholic church. And whoa, shame on us for saying that, right? But now we framed it so subtly and softly, but now we're implying that every other church besides the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is the Church of the Devil. Because every other church perverts the pure and perfect gospel. Now the question is, does it need to pervert the pure and perfect gospel and fight against the Lamb of God? Or does it need to pervert the pure and perfect gospel or fight against the Lamb of God? It's also important to note kind of what's unsaid, is that any person, group, organization, that does not fight against the church, that does good in the world, is that the church of God? And so those are some questions that are raised by this subtle, subtle but also intentional framing of the phrase church of the devil. Elder Ballard said this, he said, the battle over man's God-given agency continues today. And he says this in his general conference talk, that cunning plan of the evil one. He continues, Satan and his minions have their lures all around us, hoping that we will falter and take his flies so he can reel us in with counterfeit means. He uses addiction to steal away agency. According to the dictionary, addiction of any kind means to surrender to something, thus relinquishing agency and becoming dependent on some life-destroying substance or behavior. In the Doctrine and Covenants, it says this, this is section 76. In this we saw also, and bear record, that an angel of God who was in the authority in the presence of God, who rebelled against the only begotten Son, whom the Father loved, and who was in the bosom of the Father, was thrust down from the presence of God in the Son, and was called perdition. For the heavens wept over him. He was Lucifer, a son of morning. And we beheld, and lo, he is fallen, even a son of the morning." And while we were yet in the spirit, the Lord commanded us that we should write the vision. For we beheld Satan, that old serpent, even the devil, who rebelled against God and sought to take the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Wherefore, he maketh war with the saints and encompassed them round about. In the book of Moses, chapter 4, verse 1 through 4, it says, That Satan, whom thou hast commanded in the name of mine only begotten, is the same which was from the beginning 
And he came before me, saying, Behold, here am I, send me, I will be thy son, and I will redeem all mankind, that one soul shall not be lost, and surely I will do it. Wherefore, give me thine honor. But behold, my beloved son, which was my beloved and chosen from the beginning, said unto me, Father, thy will be done, and thy glory be thine forever. Wherefore, because that Satan rebelled against me and sought to destroy the agency of man, which I, the Lord God, had given him, and also that I should give unto him mine own power, by the power of mine only begotten, I caused that he should be cast down, and he became Satan, yea, even the devil, the father of all lies, to deceive and blind men, and to lead them captive at his will, even as many as would not hearken unto my voice." D&C 29, and it must needs be that the devil should tempt the children of men, or they should not be agents unto themselves. That is a crucial point. For if they should never, for if they never should have bitter, they could not know the sweet. Again, let me read this. And it must needs be that the devil should tempt the children of men, or they could not be agents unto themselves. Do you see that? If Satan is not tempting the children of men, we would no longer be agents unto ourselves. And others, this is Second Nephi 28, and others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say, all is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And behold, others he flattereth away, and telleth them there is no hell. And he saith unto them, I am no devil, for there is none. And thus he whispereth in their ears until he grasps them with his awful chains, from whence there is no deliverance. Yea, they are grasped with death in hell, and death in hell, and the devil and all that have been seized therewith must stand before the throne of God and be judged according to their works, from whence they must go into the place prepared for them even a lake of fire and brimstone, which is endless torment. So let's work through kind of a final thought here. And and let's set it up with, again, that one sentence. And it must needs be that the devil should tempt the children of men, or they could not be agents unto themselves. For if they never should have the bitter, they could not know the sweet. So with that, here's my final argument. And I want you to think this through. Like, just open your mind up. And like say, okay, I'm going to try to be reasonable and logical and work through this. Here we go. Satan obviously has heard human conversations about how crucial he is to the plan of salvation. If he is not the opposition in all things, the plan seems to be thwarted. Surely Lucifer recognizes he could send the whole plan into a tailspin if he simply withdrew himself from participating, right? So the argument here is the devil hears conversations and people talking. People, While the devil cannot read your thoughts, which is one of the things that have been taught uh, in Mormonism, that the devil cannot read your thoughts, but he, but, but only God can read your thoughts. And, but the devil can hear your conversations. He is watching us do things, right? And, and if, he hears those conversations. I mean, it has to have occurred to him, like, if I just stop tempting God's children, then there's no opposition, and now I thwart the plan. And by staying and tempting God's children, 
I'm keeping the very plan. Remember earlier with that quote that it's ironic that, that this agency that Satan was so adamant against, he now becomes the key puzzle piece in keeping agency as an active principle with the children of God, right? So if Satan just says, look, I, like he, like think about that for a moment. Like he, in spite of the fact that he could thwart the plan, continues to tempt us and be the opposition. And that seems, that seems silly to me. It doesn't seem to be rational. It doesn't seem to be logical. It doesn't seem to fit very well. Now the apologetic response would be several options. One would be that he's naive. That somehow when people are talking about the fact that Lucifer, if he just stepped away, he could thwart God's plan, that somehow Satan and all of his angels don't hear that. They're naive or ignorant to that possibility. That seems silly. That seems like that would not... I mean, you could make that argument, but it doesn't seem like that's really tenable. It's kind of like the most barely plausible argument somebody could make. The second one, which I think is a little stronger, is that Satan's ego and pride are so great that even in spite of knowing that he could thwart the plan by stepping aside, he can't help himself, and he just has to keep doing it. While that is slightly more plausible, I also find that to be silly, if not ridiculous. The The third option that I've heard framed for this idea, this this conundrum, is that Satan recognizes that he is only one option as the opposition in the plan. And that if he were to step aside, something else would come in and provide that opposition. So Satan, wanting to maintain the little bit of power that he has, chooses to be that opposition as to keep anyone else from being that opposition and having that power. That's slightly more plausible, but I still find that ridiculous because... Here we are in 2017, still teaching that Satan is the adversary. And now when we raise this point, we have to say like, oh, maybe he's not anymore. Maybe he stepped aside. And Frankie, the second son of the afternoon, is now the guy in charge and is the guy doing all the temptation. Like, if we're going to teach that Satan is still currently involved, we would have to have some kind of certainty or surety since at any moment, Lucifer could step aside and Frankie, the second son of the afternoon, could step in and fill that role of opposition. And, and I'm simply saying like, like, once you realize the logical conundrum you're in as you discuss this, here's, here's kind of where I come down. So surely Lucifer is not so ego driven that he can't help himself but stay involved when he knows he is only hurting his cause. Surely he grasps that if he steps away from the game, he accomplishes the very desire of his heart. So either he doesn't hear folks suggesting his th- this theological conundrum, and he's naive, or he's so ego-driven that he can't help himself. Or, lastly, it simply is not as Christian or LDS theology has created him to be. Now, I'll speak for myself. I I don't know that there's an adversary. My gut tells me, my intellectual gut tells me there's there's no such thing as an adversary. Is is he essential to the plan? I now believe that we've made the argument 
that if he's essential to the plan, he's illogical. And if he's not essential to the plan, then there's no need for me to have a testimony of him. And so once you recognize that Satan is not essential or he's illogical, either way, it becomes fair ground to no longer have to hold or believe in a literal Satan. And so with that, I think, and again, I'm open to correction. I'm open to somebody sitting down and saying, Bill, that's not accurate. Here's the solution to your problem. But with that, I think I've deconstructed and then let's reconstruct it by saying, I think human nature is the enemy of God, that man is the natural enemy of God, that each of us with or without an adversary are going to make mistakes and do wrong things and make choices that offend God, that for each of us, the opportunity in this life stands for us to repent and to progress and to become more like the Christ of faith. It's my hope that we not operate out of fear, which is what the idea of Satan is designed to do. This idea that he will drag you away to a fire and a lake of, of brimstone, that there will be gnashing of teeth in this wicked lake of fire. Like that's the idea of fear. And Elder Uchtdorf, President Uchtdorf, spoke directly to this, that we need not use any theology, doctrine, teachings, counsel that is fear-based. So with that, it's my hope that each of us will go through life trying to be better, trying to progress, trying to be like the Christ of faith simply for the reason that it's the right thing to do. And that even without Satan, there's enough obstacles in our path to distract us from doing that. May the Lord warm your shoulders in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.